Welcome to In The Hunt Podcast. We will bring clarity to the complex game of golf. Start your path to better play today. This is Brian Bailey from Charlottesville, Virginia, and I'm joined with Mark Sweeney from Windermere, Florida, and we welcome you to The Hunt. Welcome to this week's episode of In The Hunt. Uh, this is Brian Bailey here based out of Charlottesville, Virginia, and we have Mark Sweeney joining us, and Mark is actually down in Dallas, Texas, or a suburbia of, um, doing a big event down there. So, Mark, you want to give us a little insight there? Yeah, I'm down in Dallas at the Mary Doe uh, Samaritan Fund Invitational. Uh, they ran one a couple weeks ago to basically prove that they could have a golf tournament in safe conditions, and they had lots of tour players sign up and lots of top amateurs, and they got so much demand that they're doing it again this week. Um, I think Golf Channel is doing some coverage of it. Uh, Nick Valdo was here yesterday. I think uh, Jordan Spieth's playing today. Um, but it's really cool to see them out and, and playing golf and just adjusting the rules a little bit with the, uh, the COVID-19 stuff. Very good. So uh, on, on the cutting edge of, uh, of uh, golf being reintroduced is Mark Sweeney. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Never want to guess that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, so today's episode, I think, is going to be really fun. Um, I, I coached collegiately for close to 20 years. Um, out on the coaching circuit, there's all kinds of people. Um, but I brought in two of the classes that I know. Um, I always said to become a better coach, you had to go hang around really smart people, really smart coaches. And these are probably two coaches that I don't know if they know it that influenced me a lot inside of my coaching. Um, so first, we're going to go ahead and introduce Diane Daly, um, Wake Forest uh, uh, coach, recently retired. I think she was there for 30 years, if I'm not mistaken, which is really weird because she's only like 33. So I don't know how that <laughs> math really works. But, but we have a Diane was a former LPGA player, um, coached at Wake Forest for more than 30 years. And needless to say, Wake Forest beat our butt at Virginia quite a bit. Um, so I, I know the feeling of that. Um, I think what's really cool is in 2001, one coach of the year uh, is an NGCA Hall of Fame member. And I think what's really cool and lasting is the new training facility at Wake Forest is named after. So, hey, Diane, how are you? Good, Brian. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for joining us. And the other, the other uh, co-conspirator today is uh, I, I consider a good friend, um, Puggy Blackman. Oh, if, if you know college golf, you know Puggy. He was at Georgia Tech, um, I believe started around 84. Then he went to South Carolina and did the men's. Uh, then he switched over to the women's side and won uh, in, I think, 2010-ish. And that's really where I ran into Puggy. And Puggy and I used to just sit around and talk, talk shop, talk golf, talk, uh, you know, everything. It was really exciting. And to me, I, again, a guy that really influenced my coaching, and I, I believe, too, a uh, four-time ACC Coach of the Year when he's at Georgia Tech. So, hey, Puggy, how are you today? I'm doing wonderful for, for an older guy, you know. Yeah, I, did, I didn't give you the 33, sorry. <laughs> I'm not, I kind of blew that about uh, 30, 30 a little bit of something years ago. <laughs> very good, very good. Um, so, I think today's episode, like our junior market keeps getting bigger. We want to be able to provide information to juniors about what is college golf, what is recruiting. I think that's – I think the, the misunderstanding of, of a junior and what it takes to become a collegian, what is a collegian, what is recruiting. So I thought I'd bring two great coaches in here and, and get their insight just to be able to help uh, parents and players to understand what collegiate golf is all about. So uh, we'll, we'll jump in here. And, and Diane, just get, give us a little insight in your 30 years of coaching. What, what major changes did you see inside of women's golf and golf in general uh, collegiately? 
Well, it, the, the biggest difference is that the students nowadays are so much more talented and, and uh, ready to play college golf than they were when I first started. Uh, the scores are coming down lower and, um, you know, it's just the, the, the students are much better trained and best ready. You know, they can just step right in and play at a high level. Whereas before it took a couple of years to develop them, you know, into good players. But now, um, you know, the, the uh, junior players are, are, their talent level is much better than it ever has been. Very good. And Puggy, how about yourself? Because you have the unique perspective of being a top men's coach uh, and then transitioning on the women's side, uh, kind of the same question. What big changes did you see 30 years in golf, but also when you made that change on the women's side? Well, I think college golf in general, um, you know, I was thinking about this this morning, how far it has come. Um, and the fact that when I started in 1983 at Georgia Tech, they were, they were talking about dropping golf there, and I happened to be there running a international golf event uh, for the American Junior, which I helped get started in the late 70s. And, um, you know, I started out, uh, uh, they had upped the salary for the coach at Georgia Tech to $17,000 a year. Uh, my recruiting budget was $250 to start with. And uh, so literally, I had I took over the uh, Atlanta Junior Golf Association. We developed it. Um, I was involved in building the Standard Club in Atlanta, did that years. I had to do three jobs to make a living. Plus, I had to raise 50% of my golf budget uh, at Georgia Tech at the same time. So, you know, now, I mean, everybody is making um, a lot of money. I mean, it's it's uh, uh, 10 to ten times more than probably what I started at. And uh, so it's changed a lot. I think the athletes are treated totally different. started on the men's side. It was kind of like uh, – an under misunderstood sport. Everybody thought it was very, it was social. I mean, it was, it was handled very differently. It was perceived very differently as a uh, kind of a, a small evolving sport. And now, you know, it's considered one of the top But across the board. College athletics has just gone. I mean, it now it's, it's an arms race in every sport. And uh, you know, when you're in the ACC, SEC, uh, you know, the, the funds are there and, uh, you can do things to the to the nth level, uh, which is very different for me. I mean, and I, you know, I'd love to watch it happen. Um, but to be honest with you, there, it's gotten so much more sophisticated, so much more uh, time-consuming recruiting-wise that, you know, I'm tickled to death to be where I am right now. I think I've, I, I reached my max, uh, uh, my mental capabilities were maxed out, and uh, so I'm enjoying a couple of the new ventures. Nice. And we'll, we'll definitely hit on those here at the end of the podcast. Uh, Mark, you want to hit him with a question? Yeah. Yeah. Diane, you said something interesting there that, you know, about how the, the players are getting better and better every year. Uh, and I actually did a, a study about a month ago or so of HAGA players. And we looked at their scoring average based on their graduation year. And the later they graduate, the better the scoring averages get. So each year seems to be scoring a little better and a little better and a little better. Um, so they're, they're more prepared coming into college golf. What do, you, what do you both think is the biggest gap still between a junior's understanding of golf and when they get to college and they're kind of thrown into a team environment and a schedule and workouts and everything? What do you think they're least prepared for when they show up on day one? 
Well, I think uh, emotionally, I mean, I, I, they are used to playing for themselves, and you know, be, get it. And if they've only played golf and not played any team sports in high school, it used to be that when I first started recruiting, um, they we'd always have students who'd play basketball or some other sport. And I love to have basketball players, especially guards, because they were tough and they could be pushed around. They were hard workers, and then they could actually see the golf, the, the court. And they were leaders. And so, uh, but now most of the golfers or a lot of the golfers coming in are only playing golf. And they've only played it since they, that was the only sport they've ever played. And, and their parents have been, you know, right there helping them out. And then when they get to school, their parents aren't there. And then they have, you know, trouble adapting um, to a team atmosphere and to working with other students and to being coached by a coach versus uh, their teacher or their parents. So I think that that adjustment is is a little bit difficult for them sometimes. Um, and, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, trying to promote a team atmosphere um, is probably one of the biggest challenges that a coach has nowadays, in, ad in addition to you know teaching them, but bringing them together as a team and, you know, having them like each other. Yeah, you can't you can't make them like each other, can you? There's not, there's not a whole lot of uh, team opportunities for juniors there are some, but but in general, uh, there's not a ton of them. Um, how, how about you, Puggy? Do you have a similar experience, or um, do you think it's just something they've got to just jump in the deep end of the pool and, and figure out when they get to college? Well, I, th I think I'd have to address this by gender um, because the game is so different. It's changed. It's evolved. Uh, it's uh, on the men's side. Uh, I don't even understand that part of the game. <coughs> Still a couple of tour players on the men's side. Um, and Today, the young college men players, I mean, the, the speed they have, and as far as they hit it, I mean, you know, it, it's incredible that the club head speeds and it, it, and the whole game has changed on the men's side and that they're hitting it so long. I don't even – I can't comprehend. I mean, they're hitting – it's a scoring game. Uh, it's a lot of birdies. Mm -hmm. And I think on the women's side, I've had the opportunity to, to not only work the last 10 years with college women, but also work with a couple of – pretty good uh, LPGA players and went out on tour with them. Um, and what I see, they're playing the game that the guys did probably 15 or 20 years ago from a distance standpoint. So what, what I noticed is that, that we have uh, on the women's side, excuse me, my dog is getting a little excited here. Uh, <laughs> but on the women's side, uh, going to the majors, what I saw was that the great, great golf courses uh, that the men played U.S. Opens on are now really well-suited for the women. Uh, I love the women's game. I, I was able to transition to work with them because, again, they're, they're playing almost the game that the guys did 20 years ago where you got to drive in the fairway. You know, the rough is, is major league difference for the women. Um, they're hitting mm -hmm. a uh, hybrids, two irons, or not two irons, I don't hit two irons anymore, but long clubs in, in, the, in the par fours um, and in the par three. So so what I, I love the women's game now. I really do. I think it, it's a much better test. Um, so I think the game is involved. I think the, the girls coming in, the, the biggest thing I continue to see is – uh, a need for players to understand the total game and the emphasis that has to be placed on the scoring game. And that's where working with you and Brian and the people that, that have the expertise that you guys have and experience, 
has been so helpful with, for me the last, you know, eight to 10 years is that, you know, the, it's, it's all about score. I mean, I noticed that I can tell you this now after the fact, but I think our 10 years with the women in South Carolina, we never had the, the greatest talent pool, but we always got better. By the end of the year, we were a better team because we learned scoring game. And what happened is the, the whole concept was, you know, our girls weren't into so much how they hit it that day because they could, they could, they could score. They could put up a decent number and hit eight or nine greens around. And, uh, and that's the part of the game I think that, that kids today still struggle with because it's not the most romantic, um, enticing part of the game to practice. But uh, I, think, I think it's necessary. And if you look at the top players on tour, you know, having worked with David Duvall for so many years, uh, who was the number one player in the world, was a great experience for me. And, and you saw the difference between the Duvalls and his prom and Tiger and Mickelson and all these guys, Justin Leonard. They were great, great wedge players, um, great putters. Um, and, 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 you know, watching David when he started kind of going downhill with the injuries or whatever, I think a lot of that was that, that you know, they get to a certain level where they fall in love with building a body rather than continuing to work on scoring games. So um, it, it's been amazing to watch. But I would say kids, you know, especially on, on the male side, and you've got to you've got to score. You got you got to be able to play those days that that, that your golf swing's just not there. And that's what we saw in South Carolina. We were able to win like five regionals. I mean, in, in most of those years, that was the only tournament we won. But it just happened to be at the end of the year, which is kind of important. Just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's kind of fascinating because. Uh, on the women's side, I was at Virginia for about, oh gosh, too many years. Um, I was there quite a while, and the ability of player from when I first came in to what we were recruiting my last years in, the players when I first started recruiting would have never made our lineup or never gotten a scholarship opportunity at Virginia over that 12-year period. Like, it was just, that's how fast on the women's side scoring got. Um, but so to me, it, it, the understanding of th people are always getting better. What advice would you all give to a junior, you know, a 10th grader now, a ninth grader? Gosh, it feels like maybe even a fifth grader. seems like the recruiting process is going back that far. But what advice would you give to a parent or a player? Uh, we'll start with Diane on what are some key skills and key strategies that a player needs to bring in with their golf game to be a successful collegiate player? Well, the, the, the scoring game for sure. Um, it, most everybody can hit the ball pretty well. And, you know, just as, as Puggy was saying, you know, from 100 yards in, you need to get the ball in the hole. And, and, uh, and some of the uh, strategies that you all have with uh, GameForge is, um, um, you know, really, really good for these, for these students to, you know, zero in from, uh, you know, say 80 yards and see, if you can, see how many balls you can hit uh, within 12 feet of the hole. You know, I would really work on up and down, sand game, um, uh, putting, um, and just being able to really hit lots of different, just 
stock shots, trouble shots, uh, you know, any short game shots, uh, because you do have to score. And um, that's, and I think that's why a lot of the, the scores are coming down because the students are getting much more proficient at that. But uh, uh, I would spend, if I were, you know, doing a practice and scheduling it, I would probably spend 70% of my time on short game and the 30% on hitting, you know, hitting longer shots. Nice, nice. And Puggy, kind of the same question to you, but also um, kind of a, a area that I saw that was a big change too for a lot of golfers coming in. And I think again at Virginia, kind of like South Carolina, we didn't have the pick of the litter when it came to recruiting. So uh, also kind of talk about strategy because I think a lot of players understanding when you talk about scoring, you got to be able to hit hit the wedge and hit this, but but the strategy of scoring is completely different. I think a mindset than what a lot of people think it is. So if you can enlighten us on that a little bit. Well, you know, when I first started coaching, like I say, that it was a very new experience for me other than um, working with junior golfers as a golf professional and helping start the American Junior and uh, watching the better back in the very beginning, you know, the Scott Burke, Davis Love, the guys that are now playing the Champions Tour. Um, but, you know, the one thing when I started coaching was that I realized I didn't know a lot. And so – I found people very early on that were very instrumental, like a, a Bob Rotella back in 1989. Uh, you know, Trip Eisenhower played for me and worked with this new brain coach, and and I started working with Bob then, and that's that went on now. I mean, I guess we for 20 something years, Bob uh, was working very closely with Bob with our teams, learning that part of the game. Um, and there are a lot of people like Bob now, and people like yourselves that. I mean, just like with, with Mark Sweeney to, to uh, you know, I keep telling these two guys I'm, I'm talking to right now um, that they're probably the most under-marketed people I've ever known. I mean, if you ever sat down with Mark Sweeney and found out what he does, what he does with, at the Masters, um, I know that recently I, I got him involved. Uh, it took some time. We got him involved with, with Jim Furyk prior to the, the last Ryder Cup. With, with his 3D models and and those guys when they went over had had they knew if they took the time and the caddies that they they know everything about the greens uh, that they were getting ready to play on so I don't know whether they didn't pay attention or whether they just didn't play very well but 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 to continue learning all of this stuff but and and the key thing I would tell parents is that I think you've got to seek advice but bottom line. You have got to let your players dig it out of the dirt. They've got to go out. You've got to do the repetition. Uh, I'm still working with a select group of um, juniors and amateurs and professionals, men and women. Uh, and what I'm what I'm doing right now is trying to teach them the mindset that they have to have in scoring game. And the one thing that Bob Rotella never ceased to emphasize is that you cannot have technical thoughts in the short game. And, uh, and so by doing that all these years, what I'm, I'm seeing now is, is to continue is that, you know, that, that you develop your t technique through trial and error. And a lot of, a lot of your touch and feel uh, is developed through digging out of the dirt. You can't, people, when they try to tell you what you should feel, it's just hard to convey that. So, um, you know, the biggest thing I would say is, is let the kids do it on their own. 
give them the support, encouragement, um, but don't try to, to uh, I guess, force your expectations and uh, things and what you feel like is right on the player. Let the, let the player learn. Learn to become a competitor. I mean, when I recruited, I wanted to find people that won golf tournaments. You know, I don't care whether they were from a town of, of 500 or 50,000. I wanted to find the people like uh, a David Duvall, who I just happened to get on early before anybody else because I knew his dad when I was in the Jacksonville area. Um, and watch David. I mean, after he committed and signed with us, he went on a tear and became a great player. Um, so his dad always just allowed him to do his thing and to play golf and, again, not try to force the issue, <laughs> accelerate the learning process too quickly. Yeah, I love what y'all are both saying about short game and developing feel. And I work with a lot of competitive juniors, and it always amazes me. Um, very few of them have any kind of short game coach, you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm starting to believe that that's a, a coaching fault in the industry today is they spend so much time on the range and so much time with technique and developing speed, which is important. Um, but, but very few of them uh, that I work with have, have advanced short game skills. They, they develop it or they just completely ignore it. You know, I do assessments. I don't teach short game, but I do assessments with them with their wedges around the green. And it always amazes me how poor a lot of them actually are. And I'll ask them, you know, who's your short game coach? And they're like, we don't have one. Um, and I'm like, well, you need to get <laughs> you need to get one, or you need to spend a lot more time. And Diana, I love the 70% short game. Uh, I love that. I know Stacy Lewis when um, back when she was world number one, she was saying she spent 20 to 30% on the range and 70, 75% on the uh, putting and chip, chipping and putting every day. And that was her ratio, which I thought was great. Do you all see any difference between U.S. players and international players? Because I we do see obviously a lot of international players coming to to play golf in the in the U.S. And uh, there's definitely seems to be a preference for some coaches to, to take international players over U.S. players. Would that be a difference in coaching style or a difference in how hungry they are or um, how soft or tough they are? Or, you know, kind of what, what do you all see as far as the, uh, the international scene goes? Um, I'll go first with that if you want. They, um, yeah. I think the international players, they don't have the um, facilities like we have here. And so they um, they really take advantage of whatever they can whenever you know whenever they get a short game area or whatever they they try to take advantage of that. The other thing too is that they play in all kinds of weather and they are uh, and they have no choice about it. I mean, it could be in the 30s and pouring down rain and they're out there playing in a tournament. They're not going to call it unless the course is unplayable. Uh, and part of that comes from playing on their national teams. Um, I think that is a big deal. Um, for their development and growth as a player, because uh, if they're on, if they're good enough to be on a national team, they have all the resources available to them uh, that basically our parents in this country are providing or trying to provide for our students. But they will have they have swing coaches, they have short game, you know, that that are just swing as well as short game. They have nutrition. Um, um, uh, consulting and, and working on that. They have workouts that they do every day so that they, it's, it is a very regimented um, routine that they go through on these national teams. And then the, in, in turn, the national teams 
uh, you know, allow them to play in all these tournaments all over Europe. And um, so I think, you know, it's a big deal to be on a national team. And you only, I think it's 12, you have to be in the top 12 in your country to be on one. And, uh, and once you get on that, then, you know, the, the resources you have are, are really uh, exceptional. And, and, and that's, I think, helps them become better players. But part of it, too, is that they, you know, the courses are not manicured. They're, um, you know, and they don't have ranges like we do. Um, and so it's, it's like they are really, they can play in any kind of weather, any kind of conditions. And, and that's exciting. And then they've had this training from being on the national teams. Yeah, fascinating. Puggy, what, what's been your experience with that? Well, I think, again, I've kind of – I had a great opportunity um, in, of, of working with both men and women. I would say on the women's side, the talent pool um, is a lot greater uh, internationally. Um, Kaylin Anderson, our, our, our women's head coach, does a great job. She loves to recruit. Uh, that's a part that I didn't enjoy a whole lot. So – she does a lot of international recruiting and a lot of travel to, to, to be successful at it. But I've enjoyed the, the, the girls we've had internationally, um, which has been the majority of our team. Just they, they're much more mature. Um, they're, they've, got, they've had great coaching. Uh, their national programs have spent a lot of money giving them the, the latest, greatest uh, information, technology, sometimes a little bit maybe too much of that especially when they get into the short game. Um, you know, I, sometimes they get a little too carried away with the, the technical side of putting or chipping or whatever. But for the most part, they're, they're coming over. They're used to traveling as a team, uh, being away from mom and dad. I think the parents are a lot less um, – uh, still there? Okay. Yep. Battery's starting to run down a little bit here. Uh, parents are, 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 are a lot less in the picture. Uh, their the parents generally are very supportive, but you know, you're, you're able to really to try to mold that, that person and you're not, what I loved about it, most of them come up with, with really good swing technique. Um, and it's just a matter of, 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 of the mental side of helping them and then say, okay, this is what I'm seeing. When I go out with me on Lee on, on the LPGA or major, this is the stuff I'm learning about the shots they're able to hit now. You know, the, the ladies started hitting shots, you know, with the, with the wedges where they're able to use the, 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 the true off of the club and use the bounce more like the guys were doing 10 or 15 years ago that David Duvall was working on 20 years ago. The women are implementing that. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's just there to me. They've been easier to coach, uh, much more coachable. Academically, they're off the charts. I mean, all of them are, are for the most part, 4.0 students. So um, it's, they've been a real joy to, to, to work with. We've had our handful of American players uh, that have been equally successful. Caitlin Dambaugh, great player. Um, but I think that, that you just have more of them internationally that, that are of that caliber than maybe in the States. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think that's an advantage they have having the national teams, and I don't think the U.S. is in danger of ever having a national team because <laughs> I don't see it ever, ever happening in this country, and I think it's a deficit, actually. Yeah. yeah. No, go ahead, Johnny. 
I just I, I think the national team thing really makes a difference. I, I've always wondered if we could ever do regional teams, um, you know, with different associations so that the uh, students could, um, you know, take advantage of some of this extra training and, and not have to rely on their parents and their parents' resources uh, to provide that training for them. And, and it, it, would, it really would it – it makes a huge difference, I think, uh, being on a national team. And it's a big status thing for those students as well. It's an honor to be on a national team. And if we could do something on a regional basis and maybe filter it in like onto a, like a pyramid to a, a national team, that would be wonderful. But I don't know if it, it would take a lot of planning to do something like that. But it would be fun if they could. That's a great idea. So, uh, so let's switch gears here a little bit and, and kind of reflect on your careers. Um, if you could go back in time and two opportunities – one 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 event one season where you're like man i nailed it that was a great coaching year or maybe one event one round even maybe one decision man as a coach i really dropped the ball on that um so reflecting back like i said you guys have seen lots of golf uh you've learned not to live shot by shot and all that but but give us a highlight and a and a lesson highlight on what you saw play or being played in collegiately. Uh, we'll start with you, Diane. Um, well, one of the, the, I think one of the best tournament wins we've ever had was uh, back in 1995, which was, uh, we won the ACC tournament. We came from 10 shots back on the last day to win. And um, what was really exciting for me as a coach is that before we were in that tournament, I had our students work on wedges and we would have a tarp out in the back on the field and they'd have to hit this tarp three times in a row uh, from uh, every distance, every 10 yards from a hundred yards in. And, and that's what, that was one of our drills. We practiced and practiced and practiced with wedges. Well, that last day, several of them hit it in the woods with their drives. They chip out and they got it up and down from 60 and 70 yards. And they did that at least five times. And to me, that was really exciting because that, that showed that, uh, you know, that the practice that we were working on and the preparation that we, we did ahead of time uh, prepared them to, to come through at the tournament. And that that's was exciting golf there. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's that, great. That's cutting edge training right there. I wish um, more programs across the country would do that. <laughs> yeah, that's well, a lot of coaching. <laughs> <laughs> Well, those those, uh, those tarps from uh, Home Depot and Lowe's, uh, they're, they're my favorite training aid. <laughs> All right, Diane, now give us a, a less than stellar moment where you're like, uh, I, I really uh, could have done a better job there. Well, um, another time, I guess, in the um, uh, ACC tournament, I, I didn't prepare the students as well the last day um, and this was later on in, in my career and and part of it we were having some bad weather and um, the you know the students uh, they cut their practice schedule down and and I didn't let them know because I didn't think I, I thought they could all get it in and I didn't want them to have that pressure on them to rush their practice and as it turned out they uh, they did cut it short and then the students were not as prepared you know when they started playing the tournament they felt rushed and that was a big mistake on my part very good and puggies you're good for stories i can't wait to hear these <laughs> well, the highlight was meeting you for the first time brian but understand uh, oh stop <laughs> anyway but probably you know my highlight low light 
probably came at the same time, but uh, I've got to say that um, I was extremely fortunate to have coached uh, a player, a once-in-a-lifetime player in David the Ball. Uh, I had a lot of really, really good players, but this kid was just different. He uh, was a four-time first-team All-American, um, and, and he was always uh, on a daily basis. I mean, he, he somehow wanted to communicate. It was either by phone or getting together or whatever. But, but coaching a guy that was almost like a human highlight film, um, to me, was incredible. And his senior year, uh, we were at the NCAAs uh, in Kentucky. Um, and the, the unfortunate thing, it wasn't televised back then, but we were on the 18th hole, and we found out kind of after the fact, we're on the 18th hole, and it's David Duvall, um, and we've got Lee McEntee from Florida, um, and I'm trying to remember uh, Tim, he might be able to help me out from Florida, but anyway, I'm trying to remember. Anyway, they're on the 18th hole, and the, the entire tournament was tied on the set, I'm sorry, the 72nd hole um, on the tee box. And um, the young man from, from Florida duck hooked it and kept it in bounds. He was a freshman. Um, McAtee blew it in the water to the right. And David hit it down the left side, and it just rolled into the edge of a shallow uh, fairway bunker, and which is not a hard shot. Uh, the unfortunate thing, when we got up to Davis Ball, somebody had forgot to rake the bunker, and he was in a deep He had to go out sideways. Um, he makes bogey on the last hole. Um, and I think uh, the kid from Florida, he had about a 40-footer, and somehow he – I think he even – one putty went cross-handed, one he went right-handed, you know, right-hand low. He, he, he was so nervous, but he got it in the hole. And uh, David makes bogey, and it, 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 we lost the national championship to Florida by one. And David lost the national – or the individual national championship by one to Todd Dempsey. So that was an incredible week, a high and low. Uh, and, again, uh, you know, I've had so many great experiences and, and – uh, you know, coaching against such great coaches, and, and Diane, you're certainly in that category as a Hall of Fame coach. And Diane was a, I always, I always loved Diane because she she spoke very softly, but she always carried a pretty big stick. So always <laughs> competitive. But the one thing I always loved about her team, that her teams always followed the coach's example, and they were always very classy. Um, very personable and polite people. And uh, you don't see that all the time in college golf. Culture flows from the top down, right? Yeah, I agree with that one, Puggy. No, thank you, Puggy. All right. And uh, I guess we're kind of looking at our ah, – we're already 40 minutes in. Um, so kind of, you know, you, you are young – you both are young at heart. Uh, now that you're in retirement, what uh, – what exciting things are you guys doing? Are you sitting around eating bonbons, watching uh, the Hallmark Channel all day, or what are you guys doing with your lives right now, Diane? Uh, I've I've started teaching some, and I love it. I've been teaching some high school students, and um, uh, it's it's been wonderful. I I uh, didn't think I would be doing anything really much with golf, except maybe playing some, but. Um, as it turned out, I've, I've had quite a few of these young students and almost did one whole high school team last year. 
and um, it was it, and it's really fun because they're so motivated. They want to work, and when they hit, they finally get the shots down. We do a lot of short game stuff and with chipping and and uh, hitting, you know, different types of shots with that with feel. I'm I'm a more of a field type teacher, and and so uh, uh, it is really to see that light bulb go on and and you know in their head and see them get excited and have them you know shoot some good rounds it's it's been fun and uh so i'm hoping to do that and i'm, I'm going to be uh, teaching a little bit um up in the mountains this summer as well and so uh, um you know that part has been fun to be able to stay connected with golf and to um do something i still love so i've 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 retired but I've, it, it's been fun to kind of stay in it and, and do the teaching part and then go home at night and I have to worry about the recruiting. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's coaching the way it was meant to be. Right. That's right. That's right. How about yourself, Puggy? What have you been up to? I know you been, haven't been sitting around. Well, you know, the last eight weeks I've been busy, uh, you know, doing all the things you do when your, your house burns down. <laughs> Davis Love's house was hit by lightning. Uh, my house was hit by lightning. And uh, fortunately, we were not at home. It hit the a propane gas tank, a direct strike, and we had the lightning strike, we had the explosion of the propane, and we had the gas, like a torch, a uh, blowtorch blowing across the top of the house. So my wife Gail and I have been really busy. We've spent a month with our daughter and son of our grandkids, and uh, now we're in a rental and trying to replace everything and move on. I'm almost 70 years old, but, uh, mm. you know, the crazy thing, it, it didn't take me long to realize that uh, – I wasn't going to sit around. So uh, I did some scoring game schools over at Reynolds Plantation that were very uh, eye-opening. Uh, stuff that we'd done with, on a college level that we actually did with players of all handicaps and genders. And uh, and we saw tremendous uh, success. I mean, the results were unbelievable in just getting people to think properly and and and, and look and react and, and uh, use a point. Uh, which is, again, one of the best-kept secrets in the world. I mean, why people I mean, are hesitant to, to have some logical way to look at gravity and slope. Um, and I've taken that and I've combined it with some drills, short game drills, short putting drills, a lot of Rotella stuff. I mean, so I've been able to take a lot of what you guys have taught me. Uh, but the, the last thing I've been doing is uh, we started a – uh, a golf lab at a place called Apex Athletic Performance, which is owned by eight, uh, uh, Prisma Health Systems. Um, it's a, it's a, a magnificent new building. Uh, we have orthopedic surgeons, um, therapists, physical therapists. We have biomechanical people, uh, fitness people. And for the first time, we're introducing golf there with all the high-tech stuff that we can do to assess and analyze people and to be honest with you I did it because of me because I want to start playing some again and so what we're doing is we're taking people of all ages mostly people older people and we're just totally assessing their their body the way it moves um, uh, and we're able to, to rely on, on orthopedic people if necessary uh, therapists to help people get where they can move again uh, fitness people, stretching. Um, and then what we do on the golf side is look at, 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 at every angle with the launch monitor, the pressure mats, the video, um, pretty much everything, and, and come back, put this, compile all this stuff together from all these different people and tell people, okay, here 
is what you're capable of doing. This is what you can do better if you actually do some stretching, uh, maybe get some physical therapy. And some people may need a little surgery. Um, uh, but, but we've seen amazing results. We're only, we were fully booked for two weeks and we just saw some amazing things just getting people ground. I mean, that's the one thing that, you know, the old time players talked about how that you've got to use the ground. And now, uh, you know, the people, you know, like, like uh, uh, Terry Hashimoto and, and Jake Thurm and people that are really into this, I've spent a lot of time learning. And that's what I've enjoyed doing the most for, for 50 years or 60 years in the game. Uh, but, but it's amazing that the, the speed that we've seen people pick up and, and, to get people, give them some hope that, hey, just because you've got some aches and pains doesn't mean you're done. Uh, those could be corrected or, or we can change your swing to modify. So that's what I'm doing. And uh, it's it's going, it's probably a little bit busier than I, than I want it to be right now. But um, hey, that's the way it works. <laughs> Retirement's always busy, isn't it? Yeah. And I want to, you know, one thing before we wind this thing up, I, I want to talk a little bit about what you guys are doing because I've been involved with you for many years now with following the evolution of, of Game Forge. I've utilized it to the nth degree. Um, I don't think people understand what you're doing. I think you, you guys, again, fall in the category of, of the, the, one of the, the least marketed people I've ever been around. Um, I've told you that many times, but, I think a lot of people, coaches don't understand uh, what you're doing. They, they haven't taken the time to realize that the way this whole thing got started, and I'm telling this to parents and good players, all the players I work with are on Game Forge, all of them. And, and I'm able to, every time they put it in the ground, I'm able to see what's going on. I'm able to see uh, what they're doing short game-wise. You take, you've got a massive number of drills uh, short game drills that you do. Uh, I was able to um, implement all the scoring game drills that I did at South Carolina with Game Forge. So all of our practices at South Carolina were were all uh, calculated. We all we when I went to a practice, I was able to look and see what every player had done previously leading up to that, the trending, what, what do we really need to work on as a team? You know, we found out at one point in time that we simply weren't getting the ball inside of 20 feet very often, and we weren't making birdies. So we were able to look at specific drills uh, from a lot of different distances and around the greens uh, that helped us zero in. And I think the problem is that, that most people misunderstand I think the use of stats. Uh, I never was a big stat person. I want to know how are we trending in, in certain areas. Um, I'm not looking at a round or two rounds or three rounds. I want to see over a period of time how my players are playing so I can attack and, and help them get better. Um, the great thing about it, you've got the self, the auto uh, drills where a player if they do it right with your with your program, they basically, if they're plugging in the results of their day-to-day -day drills, it's going to self-populate and tell you each day the drills that will help you get better. And then you guys have gotten so much more sophisticated with with the other stuff from, from 150, 200 yards. Um, the, the one thing I love, love working with Brian 
is, is that, you know, we were talking about, we came up with a way to look at shot dispersion from, from the driver down to the, to the wedges, like Mark does with aim point. We're doing it to, to look at shot dispersion, to see what is acceptable um, and what is not acceptable. What do we need to work on? So I'll just tell you that, that what you guys are on to is absolutely mind-boggling. And again, the biggest thing is, is that uh, you've got to figure out a way to reach people like you did me. And I'm and please believe me, and I'm, I'm probably one of the least tech savvy, uh, not the brightest guy in the ocean, that's for sure. But um, uh, anyway, but I love to learn. And, and you guys are on some great stuff. And anybody that's not using it, uh, from, from parents to juniors to amateurs to tour players to coaches, um, uh, I, I, I mean, and, and Mark Sweeney, what was your, and I'm going to come back to you, when, when recently when I put you and, and Jim Furyk together uh, for the first time, it took me forever to get Jim to, to, to say, okay, I want to hear this because there's so much information out there. But the thing he was most carried away with was he could, for the first time, he, 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 he saw aim point. I mean, where, where, where have you been? I mean, here's a guy. <laughs> All these years, you know, I had to tell, explain to him, you know, uh, using a, a putting book out in Dallas, he was just starting to use, uh, you know, the, the, the putting book and whatever, and trying to understand it. And, you know, that's where we started talking about aim point. But he told me when I, when I texted him to see how the meeting went, he said he was totally blown away with the information that, that you gave him. So, I'm just saying, you guys need to to, to uh, you need some marketing, man. You need. To, <laughs> yeah, our 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 curses. Well, my curses. I'm always like seven years ahead of the market with what I do, so I always have to wait around forever. But our other one is we're both backroom guys, right? We're, <laughs> we're we both like to sit in front of the computer and develop stuff, and we're not we're not really face guys. Well, I'm just so you. you're hired, Puggy. Puggy, Puggy you're in. <laughs> we'll Venmo you later. <laughs> All I can tell you is I've used it now for quite a while. And, and I mean, this is the two things. It allows a coach to be much, much more efficient and effective. And it, it absolutely allows, I think, all the stuff that you're doing, especially the point. The, the one thing that we're all trying to create as a coach with a player in putting and short game is being decisive. And it gives the player a total picture so they can be more decisive um, with the putting stroke in, in the short game. Yeah. I think, too, that having those games and drills makes it challenging for the students. It makes practice a whole lot more fun. It makes it much more focused and um, um, in, in a sense of accomplishing something. And then when they get on the golf course, they, they have those skills that they can, they can translate it. Well, really good. Uh, Puggy commandeered the show there for a minute, but we appreciate it, Puggy. <laughs> Well, I'm just telling you the truth. You know, I mean, that's I, I love what you guys are doing. I love you guys are 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 you know I'll, I categorize people as, as, as even two minds. They they're either like like I'm an economist. I got my master's in economics. You guys are accountants. You know, you're 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 you want that finite. You work in a in a realm. Uh, that, Mark, I think you have what a PhD in math. No, uh, I have a master's in finance. 
Okay. Well, I do a lot of math. Same thing. Same numbers. <laughs> but you guys constantly coming up. And Brian, I mean, he's always something new coming out. And, uh, he's just and a I, hillbilly. Tell <laughs> me this stuff down so I can understand what you're doing. I'm the middleman. <laughs> so, uh, all right, to end the show, we always, we, anybody we bring in new, we like to ask just five quick fire questions. They're lighthearted. Uh, and I've chose Diane Daly to receive my five questions. So are you ready, Diane? I'm ready. All right. So just uh, answer them. However, what is your favorite book of all times? Oh, probably to kill a mockingbird. Very good. Very good. All right. If you could teleport in the past or in the future, you have one day just to observe. Where, what year would you go to? What date would you go to and why? Just observe anything? Observe anywhere. You could teleport at any time. Future, past, you can go observe. Where would you go? Oh, my. That's a hard one. Um, I probably, I probably, I don't, I would probably go back. I've just read this book on Churchill, and I would love to spend a day with him, you know, and, and just learn about his leadership style. Very good. All right. Now we're kind of in this Corona craziness going on right now. What have you learned that you could not live without? Um, I guess I, I've learned I cannot, I, I, I don't have to have constant, um, I, I can entertain myself. In other words, I, I don't have to have people around all the time like I thought I did. And um, I've been able to be fairly creative with um, doing a lot of yard work and, and, and keeping myself pretty occupied. What is the one food that you couldn't give up? Your one vice, you're like, I can't give up this food. Ice cream. Oh, me too. I love, it. Every <laughs> night, I love ice cream. Like this. <laughs> All right. And our last question would be, this is kind of more of a fun one. Is it okay for a vegan to eat animal crackers? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, very good. Wow, Brian really put some thought into these questions today, man. Jeez. I'm glad I'm not on the receiving end of those. <laughs> I had to treat Diane nicely uh, compared to some of the other ones. The only one he always asked that, that you didn't get, Diane, was cat versus dog. Uh, she's a cat person. I knew that. Oh, that's why you didn't ask, huh? <laughs> Well, we know Puggy's a dog person. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll skip that question. All right, Puggy. Uh, I, I might know the answer to this already, but who was your best recruit as far as like a diamond in the rough? Diamond in the rough? Uh, well, somebody who who you recruited that you saw something in that, you know, was special. I would say one would be a guy by the name of Tom Shaw, who was from Atlanta, who played at my Atlanta junior program. Uh, extremely bright guy. Um, there was something there. He was a guy like you. I mean, he, this guy's extremely bright, um, analytical to, to a fault. Uh, but he came in and, and developed into a really good player for us. And now Tom has been very successful in coaching at Vanderbilt, um, Tulane, I think he's out in Texas now, but uh, I mean, he literally came in, his recruiting visit was on the very first Martin Luther King holiday, and it took place in a Burger King um, it, on Panola Road as our guys are doing a qualifying. That was his entire recruiting visit. So 
Uh, anyway, Tom, Tom would probably be the, the, the best, the biggest diamond. Cool. All right. What was your favorite TV show growing up? And what I've learned is this dates, whoever we have on the show, this dates them very quickly. What? <laughs> well, you know what? The funny thing is I always love the great old shows like uh, in, <laughs> most people are not going to like the, the, uh, the, the, the Fury, Roy Rogers, um, uh, you know, Sky King. And the crazy thing was the one thing I remember about all those shows were, were the commercials for some reason in the jingles, you know, Oreos and Lorna Doom cookies and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of the way my brain works. I guess. Wow. Um, what keeps you up at night? What do you think about the most in your off time? <laughs> lately, lately it's been uh, doing this absolutely asinine uh, thing that insurance requires you to do when you, when you didn't have the right policy to begin with, uh, where you have to do this total inventory of everything in your house, the replacement value and how old it is. Okay. So just, just multiply what I've, my wife and I've accumulated over 49 years of marriage, uh, just from the memorabilia standpoint. So what's kept me up the last uh, six weeks at night is, is having to mentally recreate where everything was in our house and what it was and then how old it was. So uh, my advice to most of you, if you have homeowner's insurance, is make sure that you know what you have. Um, the other things that keep me up at night, um, now that college coaching is done, not much. Um, Beautiful. I, I, you know, I was, I had to go, my daughter who's a psychiatrist had me go through therapy uh, because I was so anxious about how to handle retirement. And I told my wife this morning, I hadn't even thought about college golf. I mean, I, I've had more to do uh, and had more fun doing it than any time in my life. So um, I think uh, coaching, college golf coaching, is a lot like uh, having small children that uh, you really – young Teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. What have you done every day since quarantine started? Is there one thing you've done every single day? I hope it's shower, but go on. <laughs> uh, um, well, as you heard in the background, I have, I, I bought, I, I adopted a, uh, a, a retirement dog, a two and a half year old Australian shepherd uh, by, by design because this dog has me up at six, we're out of the door every morning for about two and a half to three miles. And then every afternoon at, at 4.30, he's ready to go again for the afternoon walk. So he's had me moving nice. about five to seven miles a day. So I can count on that. That's, that is non-negotiable. Um, so it's been great. Yeah, that's great. I've actually taken my dogs out every day, which I'd never done before. All right, last one. What is the uh, most least known interesting fact about yourself? I'm old. Um, we all know that. That was known. <laughs> you know, and that's really, I guess I would say that's probably true. I mean, it's just, you know, you start realizing, I mean, I just never thought of age. Um, and, and as you are approaching seven years old, uh, you start realizing, um, that, hey, I'm on the other end of this thing. I'm on, <laughs> this, this is, I'm not, 
30 or not 40. So you start realizing, hey, I, I really need to start focusing on things that, that I really want to do because and health-wise able to do. Uh, and one great thing is now is I'm able to spend, you know, time with my grandkids and, and my wife. I mean, we're becoming reacquainted. I mean, anybody that's been in college coaching 36 years, um, you know, you, you retire and all of a sudden you start realizing, who is this person that I've been married to for 49 years, you know? So it's been great, I, I, you know, and uh, you appreciate things a lot more. So. Oh, very good, very good. Um, we want to thank you both for joining us. Um, this is In the Hunt. Uh, fans keep giving us insight and information on, on topics you want in the future. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this hunt. And thank you, Puggy, and thank you, Diane. Thank you, guys.